So I appreciate you taking the time, being willing to come and everything. So welcome to My Life in Christ. We're talking about a having a foundation. And there are so many things we could talk about that would be important, yet wouldn't, um, but you'd have a course that could be like years long and stuff, things like that. So we're, what we're after is establishing a few principles about how it works, faith in Christ, life in Christ works together, his design, his intents, so that we can actually move and flow together. Because that, that's really where it's most churches, I don't know how you feel about this statement, but I'll just, I'll say it that often if churches are going to have a problem, it's not, many times it's not doctrine. Many times it's just they don't understand how, to, how they're going to do it together. So it could be doctrine. So we're going to talk some doctrine for sure in the course of this uh, series of teachings or messages. But we're also going to talk about how we do us, how we do church. That's why that becomes so important. Because you could really have, you have people, you have people that won't go to the same building that have the same doctrine. That's, that's a reality in the world. And, and so it's about how their hearts work together and how they take and apply that teaching in Jesus. So with that being said, um, with, this isn't going to make you be a member of the church, this particular church, but we want it. We think it's essential. As you, if you're going to grow and grow with us, and we would hope that could even turn into leadership and those kind of things, well, for you to understand how we roll and why we do what we do becomes very important. The class, I think you know, is being video and audio recorded. So that means that the camera, I'm pointing at the camera, so that means at any given time, if you, if you like came up front for some reason, you'd be seen on that video for whoever's gonna watch that video later. I just want you to be aware of that. If you have a question when we're doing this, I'm glad to answer questions. Okay, and I think that's part of the reason why I put value on having some uh, of our meetings together, at least some of them together. And that's why we're also going to offer a um, once per section, four sections in the course, once per section um, have a Zoom that we can, uh, we won't be in the same room, but we could be, anybody that wants to be can be there. We could just talk about what's going on in the class. So, in this particular section, section one, we're talking about the very beginning point, Jesus Christ being our foundation. I hope, hope you can be engaged with it. I hope it will be enjoyable for you, and let's pray. Father God, I do thank you that you have loved humanity, loved people, loved us, that your desire and your heart is to have a vibrant, and loving, overflowing connection with people, with us. Lord, as we talk about this material, we pray, I'm praying that that relationship will blossom and will prosper. I'm praying, Father, that your Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus will be glorified and magnified. I'm praying that we'll tune in to your Holy Spirit being our teacher, being our guide into all truth, being 
being and making Jesus real inside of us because that's what we need for life. I ask you to bless our time together. I pray, God, for each one of us and for us together. Be our teacher, be our guide for your glory. Amen. So we say it's God's design. And to be clear or to be aware that the Bible teaches us in Colossians, it teaches us that Jesus is the creator, that Jesus, he's the design, but he's also the creating power. So in the heart of God, God expresses himself. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the words. And so Jesus is the speaking forth of all that we see, the creation of all things. So when he, we get to that point in the creation story where he's creating man, he's, he's saying, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. He's the design. When he comes, he's going to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He's going to model in human flesh, he's going to live in human flesh a relationship that's connected to his father. And that's what he always intended for us. That's what he intends for us right now. And that's what he's offering to us. Now this becomes really, really a big deal because you and I can look at a Bible that was written a long time ago, written by all these different people, and we could be saying, but I've got problems right now. But our reality, and I believe what the Bible is teaching us, is that when you understand the design, when you embrace that this is how the plan actually works, that God fundamentally begins with connecting us to himself, that that's how it works, then you can, in any problem in the 21st century, you can still do the exact same thing that was designed to do from the beginning, connect with him. He doesn't really, I know he could tell me about technology, but the point is he tells me how to live with the world I'm in, how to be in the world I'm in, how to function with it. He's the master of the heart. There's nothing that goes on in the 21st century that changes matters of the heart. The matters of the heart are his realm where he rules. And I know he understands technology. I know he's the Lord over technology. But we go to schools and we learn things. In 2 Corinthians 4, he says, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he's turning that light on and Jesus is that light. Jesus is that light that lights up every person. That's the point. Jesus, therefore, is the light that when you and I are going through our best times or our worst times, Jesus turns out to be the light that lightens that situation. So I came to believe that Jesus is the beginning point, not just for life, but he's the beginning point in the microcosms in life or the situations of life. I wind up needing him. Start with him for everything else. That that bring God into everything, that's God's plan. Wherever you work, that's God's plan. You bring God in. You go as the temple of God. You are the temple of God. You're alive in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 4, just refer giving us some reference points, in Ephesians 4, he has told them that they're one. One spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And, and he says that no matter what, so different Christians, different churches, he says it's one body. To him, it's one body. 
But in Ephesians 4.13, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a complete or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That gives us a picture. What are you doing? Whether you're male or female, whether you're young and old, I'm growing Jesus in you. That's what I'm doing, God says. Matthew 7, it's, in your, uh, it's not written in your notes, but it's, it's just in that uh, down the page. We did the first part of page 1 on Saturday and Sunday. So on the principles of a solid Christian foundation, and I'm just sort of jumping ahead just to mention it's there, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and that rock is Jesus. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. The, the scripture we read on this past weekend, Luke 6, 46 through 49, parallels this. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Many times you hear this phrase, there are two kinds of people. But in this case, for this text that applies, there's two kinds of people. Those on the rock, those not on the rock. God loves them all, but the invitation is build what you're going to build in this life. Build your life. Pretty challenging thing. Big challenge, in my opinion. Very big challenge. Build your life on the rock. So in my life, the storms do come, and I can't get away from them. I wanted, I hope, maybe you did too, I wanted a world where if I came and prayed prayers, there'd be no storms, right? All the storms, now I prayed a prayer. I got the bubble, no storms. But I didn't get that. I can't get that. You can make more by doing the wrong thing, but you can't get out of it. You can't get out of life having challenges, life having trials. So how you build matters because the storms are coming. The challenges are there. But what happens to what you build depends on what you do with Jesus. I'm building on the rock. I'm building the way he told me to. I'm building on the truth that's in him. It will stand. It will stand. You read history, and when you, if you read enough history, over time. You read about all the challenges the church has faced, Christians have faced, believers have faced. You read the Bible and you find the challenges of a man of God like Jeremiah. God calls him, sets him apart as a prophet. People don't want to hear what he has to say. They hate him, they get mad at him, but he stands. Ultimately, he overcomes. We overcome. I want to be the house that stands. I want you to be the house, the building that stands. That's what we're looking for. Jesus is our rock, our cornerstone, our underpinning, our source, our foundation, our bedrock. So now in 1 Corinthians 3, and that's where we are 
in the notes. Again, the verse isn't, it's, it's cited, but it's not written out. If you notice it when you look at those, uh, the little building in the, on the screen, what you're seeing is this building is people. He's building people together. He calls it his church. He calls it a temple for himself. He, he teaches that together, when he puts us together, he can dwell in the midst of that. He calls it home for himself, us. You, me, and us together. He calls that a home. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth. You are God's building. He also called them the body of Christ. And I love that because he gives us, he gives us pictures so that we can see things and grasp part of the truth that he's telling us. So in this case, we'll, we'll say we're this building and he didn't use the term bricks, but I'll use it. It's a way of illustrating. So if I start naming the bricks, if we just begin to name the bricks, if you wrote your name on a, on a brick, we... Uh, did things when we built this particular building, for example. We actually, a bunch of people's old Bibles are in the foundation of this building. A bunch of them. If it's a Bible you're not using anymore, you want to put it in the foundation because we, we ultimately are declaring that we're building on the Word of God. So we're just going to throw it right in the cement. It's going to be part of the footer. It's going to stay there and it's going to be there forever. And we know that's, that's what we're declaring when we're building this. We're building on Jesus Christ. That's the plan. His Word and so forth. So, but those Bibles have, you're not going to get them up. You're not going to be able to dig them up or anything because they're in the cement. But they have my name on it and somebody else's name on it and different names on it. So all those, all those pieces, it's really one Jesus taking you and me and building himself, growing himself in you and in me and then piecing us together, you and me, in him and then having that be the expression of himself in the world. So he would call us his temple. He would, he would say to the world, I live in them, in this. And we've seen, if you've been around for a few years, you've noticed sometimes the church doesn't look a lot like him. And that can include, at a given occasion, that can include this one. So it's not, I'm not just trying to condemn somebody else. I'm telling you that humanity still exists here. We have this treasure in earthen vessels is what the bible teaches but i do aspire to live up to we are the body of christ i do aspire to live up to telling the world we are the body of christ that he lives here he lives in this he lives in the gathering and he expresses himself in human flesh today but it's through your flesh and my flesh and the flesh that was people could look at and call Jesus that flesh went to heaven that flesh was raised from the dead and restored and lives a physical body in heaven according to the grace that was given to me as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation in other words Paul did things preached and taught evangelized and another builds on it and other people are building in that church now they're taking over the churches that he started but let each one take heed how he builds on it. So doctrine is a big deal, but hear, hear me saying this. Doctrine is a very big deal. When we talk, we're going to talk about doctrine. When we interact, when we decide what's right and wrong for the church, doctrine often is a part of the conversation. 
but its doctrine being discussed, I'm just admitting to you and saying I think this is important, its doctrine being discussed by people that see glimpses, that don't see everything. So I'm telling you that I don't understand doctrine like heaven understands doctrine. And I'm saying you don't either. So it's part of our conversation. Really important that we live and walk in, use the Bible. That's how I, I thought about it. I didn't know what I was doing when I was raising my kids. The Bible, give me wisdom, God. Holy Spirit, speak to me, lead me. And so those two things together, the Bible and the Holy Spirit, come alive in us, with us, and then he begins to teach us, lead us, and guide us. So we take heed. We're build, we understand. Like I look at this and there's a lot of sacrifice that went to building a building. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into uh, leading a church. A lot, of, uh, a lot of times being told no. A lot of things not going my way. That kind of stuff. But over and over and over again that I've come back to Jesus, it's not mine. I'm not the owner. You're the owner. It's always about you. It's always about him. Do it your way. I serve at your pleasure. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So when we talk about things like eternity, I don't know if you think, like a lot of people in this world, they don't think, even sometimes Christians don't think having eternity as, as a present reality in what we teach and preach, they don't see it as that important. But Jesus thought enough of it to say these words. He said, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God. He said at the Last Supper, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That eternal life is Jesus Christ and knowing Jesus Christ. It's knowing God. And that is how we live life, by knowing that. And perspective in life, when we're in a world that's bumping us around and giving us storms and everything, I don't think you can properly navigate storms without an eternal perspective. I think that's part of the problem for people. They, everything is now. Everything, all that matters. Like, so if, for example, knowing that we're pretty close to an election, and we can believe that election is pretty important, for a lot of reasons we can believe it's important. But a Christian should not just be looking at the election, I think. A Christian should be looking beyond. A Christian would know that no matter what happens at an election, that God's got a plan for life. His plan does not depend on what happens. Like, this is the plan of God, and if that doesn't happen, then everything's a mess. I can't do a thing. I can't function. I know that his intent is for us to be vibrant and alive no matter what happens in November no matter what happens on a job, no matter what happens with an economy, that if we read our Bible, we begin to discover that people have lived through all kinds of troubles, family troubles, dissension, neighbor troubles, government troubles, insurrection, treachery, priests that don't actually love God and undermine things, all kinds of things, false prophets, the love of money abounding evil, and they survive it all. So faith and repentance, that's what we'll, we'll talk about. Baptism, that's going to be uh, part of first steps, and that's going to be part of our next lesson. All of it, prayer, all of it is about being rooted in Jesus. So 
Jesus, a few of those things, Christ's foundation principles, Jesus is the foundation. And I'm a visual person, maybe you are too. So for me, I picture things. A couple years ago, I preached a series and I had a, uh, Kate, an artist, make a uh, covering for one of the uh, tables in the foyer and I sat it here, put it in here and she turned it into a cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. And there were Sundays that I stood on top of it and there were Sundays that other people rededicated their life and stood on top of it. I'm a visual person. So picturing Jesus as your foundation becomes a pretty important thing. How, how as my life, so when you're applying this, you're thinking in terms of, I'm encouraging you to think in terms of, okay, Jesus, I was building on one thing. Now I'm building on you. My life is on you. What is that, what is that like? I'm a guy that will, if nothing else, I'll write on a piece of paper, Jesus is my foundation. I'll drop it on the ground and I'll stand on it and I'll pray. I'll do things like that, and I do them for a reason, and the reason is, is I'm saying to myself in my brain, come on, get with the plan here. I know it has to be a miracle on my inside. I know it has to be Christ inside of me, but I'm challenging my brain to get out of thinking the way I think apart from Christ and get with thinking, thinking right is my life. So challenging myself to consider those things. Am I built on him? He says he's an everlasting foundation in Proverbs chapter 10. He says that we're wise and we're making the best, doing God's best possible plan for us when we make Jesus our foundation. We understand that there's nothing, there's not, this is, this is, if I'm going to build on Christ, and so um, there's a guy years ago, and he was, um, he was at the time, his, his business, his, he was a business person, but his business was predominantly uh, pornography, triple X stuff. He had a problem in his life, and he came to church. When he came to church, he said all the right words. I make you Lord of my life, he said it. I do, and he went through, prayed the prayers. But in here, he was hoping to have his girlfriend that broke up with him come back to him. So he wasn't, he wasn't, and I don't mean to say this, I mean the, the fruit later indicated that this is what happened. That I can say the words but it's on Jesus that I must build. Not just, it's not just say the words, check the box. It's on Jesus. It's being in Christ. He really can take a life. I love that God will redeem, whether it's, whether it's uh, a person that's uh, steeped in pornography, or whether it's a person that's a crooked businessman, or any lust, any brokenness, a person that's, that's lived their life in the gutter. I love that God redeems that. But essential to God redeeming that life is that that life gets on the foundation and gets off that other, it's on the wrong foundation. That's the mess that we see in that life. And some lives don't readily show the mess. 
But the Bible tells us in the Psalms, I believe it's the 73rd Psalm, he says they're on slippery slopes. They look great. You perhaps have looked at people when you're trying to do the right thing. I know people do it sometimes, and they start doing something that they, we shouldn't do, which is make a comparison. And we say, why are they doing so good? They're having fun. They have peace. They have joy. And I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm grumpy, and I'm trying hard, and nothing's going right. And the Bible says they're on a slippery slope, that one day it's there and one day it's gone. And that we understand part of this, this exchange where God comes into our life is he really does love us and want to have a relationship with us now and forever. And the miracle that happens is that we come alive to that, that I love you too, God. I love you, God. I, I do want you, God. It, love for me, and maybe you're, the, you're like this, but maybe you're not like this. I would say before Christ, I was not remotely a loving person. Like not, probably not even a little bit. Love for self, huge. Love for others, as it helps me in my agenda, right? So I'm, I'm not. So this idea, and there was brokenness and there was hurt inside of me. There was um, a mother that, that left when I would, had just turned six years old. There was a father that died when I was 10. There was a lot of brokenness in there. So loving I was not vulnerable. I was not open. But that radically gets resolved by just getting your life on Christ. He is the resolution to all these things. He has wisdom for all those things. And I love that about God. That's what I'm hoping for for people. That's what I believe we have to offer the world. They, they might not like the building. Like today, some people might not like this building. It's, it's too bright for some people. It's too light for some people, and they think it should be more, have more mood to it or something like that. And for some people, that could be fine. I don't really, I can't say that I care. You know, it's just you do what you do. I, I love that he has a plan for us. And this last one on those points, and that's actually on the beginning of page two in your notes, that last one mentioned is, he says, Paul says to the Galatians. Now he's been there, he's preached to them, he's established the church, but the church has gotten rocked off its foundation. And so now they're having problems. And they've been told that, no, you can't really trust Jesus. It's, you have to go back to following the laws and you have to become confluent in the laws, the Jewish law. But he, Paul uses these words. He says, my little children whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. So he says to them, and so what I love about what I'm telling you today is that you could have had a Christian disaster in your life. Many people do. Because Jesus is the perfect foundation doesn't mean I do all my building in Christ. But he re, his reminder to me is that when I wake up and I go, oh God, I am in a mess. We have a God whose heart is, well, let me get you back on that foundation. It's still your answer. Jesus is still your answer. You can be renewed. You can be repaired. You can be restored. And I'm, uh, I just love that because the enemy's plan is to trick you 
rob you and in some way get you in some muck, some evil, something. And then once you're in it, he says, now you knew better and you're in it. Now I've got you. You belong to me. You gave up your right. And Paul is disagreeing with that. Paul is saying he sees these loved of God and he sees that they've left the foundation and they've embraced a lie. And he says, no. Here and in his heart, you're still my children, my little children. I'm travailing again. We're just going to have you birth you all over again. We're just going to do it again because God still has a plan for you. And so I hope as we consider these things, it actually does birth or create or grow hope. In Ephesians 1.4, just a verse I felt like I should add in, great verse for memory, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's a great thing to believe about God and how he thinks about you. Having predestined us to adoption as sons, that includes daughters, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I love that when God adopts people, he knows everything they're going to do. Like even the best. I love that parents, people will adopt kids. I love that they'll do that. That they'll take a kid that's disenfranchised and that's broken, that's been through some awful thing, and they'll say, but I'm willing to make that child mine. You can be my child. I will be your father. I will be your mother. I love that. But they say that not knowing what's coming next. God says it knowing everything that's coming. But he looks at you and looks at me knowing every way, any way that you'll fall short. And he says, I will adopt you. I will be your daddy. I love you. Amen. That sounds like a good thing to me. So let's just... Um, for a minute or two, a few minutes maybe. So when you think about it, in theory, what are you building? Like at this point in your life, what do you know? Do you, do you uh, have any sense yet specifically? So like we know from the lesson, Christ in us is being built. Some expression of himself is being built in us. Do you have any questions about that? Any thoughts about that? I'd say I'm building relationships. Okay, relationships. You're building relationships. That's good. <clears throat> and they do. I believe that. We go to, we go, we take, one of the things we take to heaven is we take, uh, we take people that we've communicated with in Christ. People that we lead to Christ People that share in Christ, those relationships come with us to heaven, and I'm glad for that. Do you think it's possible you have a calling? Do you think that's possible? I do. For every one of you, I believe that. He tells us to make your calling and election sure, but that calling starts in Christ. It, it doesn't mean everybody's supposed to be online or out in front of a crowd in a stadium or something or or any particular thing but it it does mean you are the body of christ when he says one's a hand and another's a foot one's an eye another's an ear he's 
he's saying that there's a very specific place for you. So if that's not, like if you have no sense of a calling, I'm encouraging you to cultivate that. I'm encouraging you to put that into your prayer to him. Lord, what, do you, what have you called me to? What is your purpose for me? Because the body of Christ, this particular church, Airport Christian Fellowship, needs, need, wants to be the body of Christ in this community, wants to be Jesus walking around this community in flesh with the love of God and the power of the Spirit inside of it expressed. So, therefore, this body needs eyes and ears and noses and hands and feet and arms and legs to actually do that needs you, needs me. Any other questions about this, any comment about this? No surprises here? So in all of us terms, he's making a, a body. He's making a temple. In specific terms, it's an evangelist. It's a healer. It's intercession. It's rest, a restorer. It's uh, a helper. It's an administrator. It's a gift of God and a calling of God for your life. So we say this journey is with Jesus. Now, if you haven't seen this, this book, I'm, I want to say a little bit about it, this book. Before I do. Here's why we do this. And um, I, I think this makes sense, and I think this is understood, but I'm just maybe underscoring it or saying it a little more clearly, I hope. We believe that God put us here for a reason in time. So we're, Airport Christian Fellowship is here on this, on this road, in this building, by God's design in time, 2020. Right now, October of 2020. He has a purpose and people for us to minister to. He has love for you and love for me, but he also has love for the world around you and around me. He is wanting to express in this world Jesus to them. He's wanting them to see human flesh walk, walk among them. Human flesh healing them, touching them, proclaiming truth to them, declaring freedom to them. And he has a plan to use us all together to do it. None of us can do that alone. If, if you're enjoying, and I am, like I am, enjoying what God is doing in Pastor Josh in this season, he can't do it alone. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost, he can't do it alone. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't do it alone. But you and me, all of us together in Christ, something bigger than anything we could imagine, better than anything imagined, something that reaches farther than we can imagine is going to happen. And I believe is happening. So we want to cultivate people with a heart to serve him 
be willing to be step into any position not my will but your will be done step any position anything that God has offer support for others that are doing the same thing lead ministries potentially affirm God's love for people in a, such a practical term when Jesus by the Holy Spirit ministers through you to a person we're affirming who he was and what he did who he is and what he did I hope you don't believe that God has a plan for others and not you I hope that's not you I I'm a believer that with Jesus together in this area that his glory can be seen all around us so this little book is called Beginning of the Journey. We recommend it to everybody in the church, okay? Here's why. It's a devotional. So this is not a, uh, and, it's, and it's basics, really. It's not, it's not like everything that you'll ever need to know at all. But in its five units, in five little devotionals, generally they're two-page devotionals. That's, a, that's a, just one day. That it's going to talk about these things. And um, this would be a great place to go outside at night and then set off the rockets and go, this is really important. But I don't have that. That really life turns out to work Jesus really does turn out to be the very present cornerstone for everything. So getting rightly connected to him, getting yourself established on him, big, big deal, because anything that comes in life can be handled by it. Number two, so, so the first unit is just talking a little bit about that in this book. The second thing that this book is going to talk about is going to be prayer, how to, how to have a prayer life. Now, I've met Christians for that have been Christians for sometimes for 20 years and they hated their prayer life. They just were bored with it and they weren't engaged with it. But there's a model for a prayer life in here which includes what he calls a listening room. And he's establishing for baby Christians how to not just talk to God but how to listen to God. And I think he did it so good. When I found this book, he had done it better than anybody I'd ever seen. I'd heard, seen a lot of people preach about prayer and talk about prayer, but there was something about the way that he did it in this book that actually helped people establish a prayer life for themselves, and I think that is vital. The third thing, the third unit in this book, the third one, is talks about finding freedom in Christ. So it turns out that when you come to Jesus and you're born again, the seeds of absolute and radical freedom from the inside out are planted, but you've got to hook a few things up. So it turns out you have to forgive some people. And if you don't, you're going to get stuck. And if you do, you're going to be free. And it turns out that some awful things that you went through, and I went through, you can be stuck on those things. But, but there is a pretty simple and direct way that God intends for you to be free of those things so you don't stay you don't have to stay the victim. You don't have to stay bound up. You don't have to stay defined by 
these negative experiences you've gone through, but Jesus comes in and helps and redefines. The fourth thing is that we make him Lord of our life. And it, and it turns out, again, that there are a lot of people that have been in churches for a long time that the idea of a literal Lord, like a Lord that actually might tell them what to do, is not part of what they think is going on. They don't welcome it as part of their construct for how they do, how they do Jesus, how they do life. And so it's, they're not ready for that, but, it's, but your life will be blessed. I get it that it's a pretty big deal. It was a big deal to me when God spoke into, pushed into my life early on and started talking to me about my morals in life, where I was going to live in my life, what I was going to do with my life. Like, I was not accustomed to being told what to do by anybody. That was not, that was foreign to me. But he saved my life by telling me what to do. The life that I've enjoyed, I, there is not a way that I can conceive I could have had it without him establishing himself in my life. So literally, there was a point as a Christian, I was really intent on getting out of this area. I was listening to a lie, and here's the lie. Now, I understand it gets cold here. We understand that. We live here, right? So we know it gets cold. And we know there's challenges to every area, but I was believing a lie like as if there was something wrong with this area and something wrong with the people, and I wanted to get out of here. And I had an opportunity to leave. I had an opportunity to go to Texas. And I embraced it. I was ready to sign the paperwork. I was in the military. I was ready to sign the paperwork. And what I had to do was I had to extend my time of service by 13 months to do it. It, it had, was taking a while to unfold this plan. And in a heartbeat, I was ready to do it. And then God just spoke to my heart like when it was time to sign those papers, and he said, those are my 13 months. And I was, I'm not saying you can't sign papers. I, you, you can sign all kinds of papers. But I'm suggesting to you that lordship turns out to be God knows what's going on in your life. He has a plan. And so I could have signed that paper, but I couldn't sign it and honestly say, I'm whatever you want. That's what I'm going to do. That was now, he was clarifying to me. Up to that point, I was so interested in leaving, I hadn't got it. But at that point, I got it. And the last thing in here is uh, it talks about applying the Bible in your life, getting a, developing a habit of how to make the Bible part of how you interact with God and everything so that you really function as a, I believe like John 3 intends you to function as a born-again Christian, which is the Spirit's able to speak, breathe, the wind blows, and you move. That happens by those foundational things being set in place. So what I'm saying to you is this is a devotional I want everybody in this church to do for two reasons. One is I believe it's good for you. It's, it'll affirm any good thing that's in there, it'll affirm it, and it might actually help you with those things that I mentioned, which, which turn out to be critical for your development. The second reason is 
is because I believe you're, you are a testimony. God has a plan for your life to use you with other people, make you a blessing. And you and me using a simple structure like this, and, and if when you read it, you'll see it's a very simple structure, very simple. But this is a structure that you can testify to another person and they could do this and you could help them do this. Like they do the devotional, you go over it with them. You'd be helping them. You interact with them about it. They share their heart with you. You share your heart with them. That that's a critical element in making disciples. God's plan, I don't see a way in the Bible to say that God's plan is just people coming to church. God's plan is us interacting. It has to be. Relationships are vital. So, I, if everybody here took one, I, I would just have to go after class. I'd have to go back and get a few more. And what I would hope would happen is, if you haven't done this yet, that if you're in a life group, you would get hooked up with somebody in that life group and they would become your partner with this and they would become, you'd, you would just talk it through with them, that kind of a thing, and that you would, um, it would become a blessing to you, I hope. I've, the top book is my book that's loaded with my writing and highlighting and stuff, and I have enjoyed immensely going through that with people. So amen and amen. The other way, so that's a critical thing. Other things that we do is we do life group. And these are mentioned, middle of the page two, under preparation number four. So I mentioned beginning the journey, and I took some detail with it because I want you to understand why we do it. We also, B under number Roman numeral four is spiritual freedom seminars or spiritual freedom ministries. Some of you, when you're given that book, some of you have seen that book, Steps to Freedom in Christ, that, that booklet. I'm sorry I don't have a copy of it here in front of me. But that's things that we do to help people dig in. If they're stuck, we believe God has a way to get you unstuck, get you free, and we want to help you do that. So we do things like that. We believe those are pretty critical, pretty vital, and fundamental things to help us grow and become what God wants us to be. Life groups, again, are a part of that. In this season, we're just about to start at least one, maybe two virtual life groups just for some people that aren't doing meetings yet in this COVID season. So it's sh doing life together, sharing life together. Because um, what we're after up on the screen, healthy, fruitful Christians, gifted, blessed, and being a blessing. That's what we think is you. That's me. That's us. We see the Christian life as a relationship with Jesus Christ, God, Father, Son, and Spirit are God, one God in three persons, brought by the Holy Spirit, relationship made real by the Holy Spirit, and entered into by repentance and faith. I say repentance and faith. No repentance, and I'm concerned whether you got saved. You prayed the prayers, I'm concerned, okay? I don't know how God works in a life, and maybe you repented, you just don't know what the word means, but you actually did what the word means. As described by the Bible, that satisfies the soul and transforms the life. Everything 
works around Jesus. So, you're here, so I, I can assume, but I'm just saying the question, are you willing to examine your spiritual foundation and make the adjustments necessary to build your life and future in the center of God's will? Is that you? I hope it is. That's, I absolutely hope it is. You. It should be you. It should be me. Do you have any questions about that? Like, so, what we're saying and why we're saying that. Any questions? So far, so good. So, let's just talk a little bit about being born again. Jesus doesn't live in people that haven't, invi haven't invited him to live there. So we don't see, we see God as loving children, but we don't see children as quote-unquote saved. They're not born again. We see children, for example, I see children as innocent, not in the, in the sense of not having a nature. If you've ever babysat kids or had kids, you know that. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard a little kid say mine, but it's a bunch of them, right? Mine. So we know they have this self-nature and all this other stuff. This isn't a statement about, like, I don't believe, I believe babies go to be with Jesus. I believe aborted babies went to be with Jesus. Things like that. But at some point, people must be born again, born on the inside. Theologians don't exactly always understand it. So they, like Nicodemus in John chapter 3, they say, how can I do that? Do I go back into my mother? Well, he knows that's not what he's talking about, but he's trying to envision what he hasn't experienced. And what I'm suggesting to you and encouraging you is, is, is for yourself and for somebody, if you're going to minister to a person, for somebody you're going to minister to, born again is something something god comes alive inside a person the words are like a tool i don't mind leading a person in a, a prayer but i don't mind them praying when i prayed that prayer when i prayed my born again prayer these are the words i had i had used all the right words and nothing happened i had used god I had been given a bible somebody was witnessing to me i was still I was in the Air Force at that time. I was still getting, really, I was getting drunk every day. Before I was done the day, I was, I had been drinking heavy, um, among other things. And, but I was coming under conviction. He'd given me a Bible. He was witnessing to me, and people were praying for me. And so as I was coming under conviction, I began to, I was going through that Bible, and I saw in the back of the Bible, the sinner's prayer. And that's like, okay. And I got on my knees, and I would do this. I was drunk and very high, and I would get on my knees, and I would read that, and I'd wait for something to happen. And I'd say, dear Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. And just like it said in there, and then I was like, okay. You know, come in, right? But nothing happened. And then I would generally swear or say something foul, because it was like, darn it, it didn't work, you know? And, and 
ultimately God is working in all that. Like God is working, but I'm not born again yet. But when I was with a friend and him and I were drinking and smoking marijuana, and then he says, hey, you want to go harass the Christian? I said, yeah. So we went to the Christian and then we started badgering him and talking to him about stuff, which is what we did. And while those two were saying something, I heard a voice. And I, I heard a voice, and the voice said to me, you choose right now who you'll serve. That's what I heard. And I looked at the two of them because I wondered, I, I didn't say it, but I wondered. Obviously, they're still talking. They didn't hear nothing. But I, I'm like, what? And then... I had a, a sense, and that sense was, right now you're making a decision. Are you going with, and I'm looking at these two guys arguing, kind of, or discussing, or whatever they're doing. Are you going with him, and with your drinking, and smoking your marijuana, and your so forth? Are you going with him as a Christian? And I said, inside of my heart, I said, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. That's all I said. Okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. I want to tell you, I, I don't know how to put it into words that when I said that from the deepest place inside of me, I knew I meant it. I knew I meant I will. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what's coming next, but that's the plan. You're the plan. And I, and I was saying, you're the plan. I was giving up on the boss at that point. And I was making him the boss, even though I didn't understand what he would do with me or anything. I had no idea. Well, my head can't ca catch up to that. Like, my head does not know what's going on. So I'm like, I don't even know. I wouldn't know how to talk to anybody about this. I wouldn't know how to say what just happened. Nothing. Because I don't know what. I know I heard something. I know I did something. But I don't even know that I feel anything. I don't know what I'm feeling. And I went... I went, we, we got finished doing what we are doing. I don't remember anything about, about how long after that I left the room. And I went upstairs because I was in the, in the upstairs in this building, which is part of now Dry Hills Prison. And I went to bed not having any idea, like I don't understand, like just thinking, all swimming up there. When I woke up, I woke up in the morning and I remember putting my hands on my chest and put my hands just kind of like this and I went, he's in here and I don't have any idea how I know that. I don't, how do I know that? I knew I was different. Now I'm not telling you you have to have my story but what I'm telling you is you have to have your story. God has a plan for you to live with you. He doesn't, I wish he would make me not be me. There are so many times I've been frustrated with me, particularly early on, trying to work out that brokenness that was the product of those things that I went through and other things like that. I would have gladly, I, I remember being at an altar one time and begging him to just take me to heaven, kill me now, take me to heaven, because I don't know how to be here. I don't know what I'm doing. I prayed prayers like that. And he really wasn't interested in killing me and taking me to heaven right then. He was interested in, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. 
and I have a good plan for you. You're going to like it. You'll see. And probably a year ago-ish, I remember was reflecting on the calling of God on my life and I thought, oh God, you saved my life. You, uh, I know people have been helped, but not always. I'm not always, a, I'm, by all means, I'm, I'm human, so I'm not always helpful. But God, you put me on a path and that path compelled me into you pulled me into you. I couldn't do ministry without him. So the ministry, outwardly, any physical aspect of it didn't save my life. But the God who put me in there that kept me regularly in the deep end of the pool, so to speak, where I needed help just to survive, he knew I needed that kind of dependency on him. And he taught me taught me about parenting, taught me about husbanding, taught me about pastoring, taught me about praying, taught me, taught me, taught me. I love him for that. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we see that when we talk about this new birth and we talk about this transition, we're talking about something that turns out to be something he wants for everybody. And if we're going to let God be God in this relationship, we're going to let him be himself and get to know him as he is and not demand of him to be the God that we think he is, we're going to bump into a God that radically loves sinners, that radically loves broken people, and that we're going to interact with that and be able to share that with him in a way that ultimately is going to make us just what he wants, which is light in a dark world. Where, however, whatever the calling is over your life, it doesn't all work around. I believe God puts teachers in the school system. I know teachers that God spoke to them very clearly, put them in that system pretty difficult, challenging system for a Christian, particularly in these days. But God puts us places to serve humanity and interact with humanity because he loves people and we're the salt of the earth. According to a real Christian birth is born again is for everybody, that everybody According to Romans 3, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid for all sin. And we receive that by faith. And just a, just a, I think this is a great thought, is that, is that as you receive Christ, you walk in Christ. In the born-again experience is the DNA for your growth, is the seed. The seed of growth is Jesus. So the DNA is there. And so there's a way that God's begun a conversation with you that led you to a place where you're here in this class and a bunch of other things, more than I would know about your life, that he's led you and guided you. There's a way that he's done that. It doesn't change the Bible. 
It has differences and nuances that are not like mine. That's okay. I'm not trying to change that. But all of yours and mine fits with Holy Spirit and fits with the Bible and fits with his plan for your life and my life. When I was born again, I didn't know some things. Part of the reason why we do teaching. I didn't know brains aren't born again. I didn't know that. And that's, it seems so simple now, but nobody told me that. Nobody told me that, and I needed to know that because I was a person that had, if anything, I would have been, probably could have, could have uh, uh, passed the test for ADHD or whatever it was at the time. They didn't have the test for it, but I was like very active brain. My brain was always going, and there was a bunch of garbage in my brain because I had put myself in garbagey situations for a good portion of my life up to that point. So when I'm born again, here, in a sense, within, I'm born again, this, in a sense, is a camera that's recorded everything. This, this is, so I have a head that's recorded everything, has all the habits of my life in it, but I have a heart that has Jesus in it. And my head is fighting with my heart. So I need to, so I needed to know that a brain full of crazy does not mean you're not born again. But that born again that's here really can grow up from within and God can change the brain. You don't have to stay crazy. I don't think I did. But the people that know me best will have to judge. I didn't know when I was born again that where most troubles come from. And what I mean by that is that too often I'm complicit in my troubles. That it's not really about what, like, like we, can, we can get worked up about what somebody else is doing, but your life runs and regulates by what you do, not by what anybody else does. It took me a while to catch up to that. So I'm just suggesting the sooner you do, better for you. I didn't understand the purpose of the church. I didn't understand that we were to be his hands and his feet in the world. That we were to be an organization that, that a, in a sense, a living organization, a living organism that he's formed in people by what we do together, by sharing together, that he comes alive in people. And we partake of that life and grow together in him. That we become this ambassadors and we encourage that and being ambassadors for him in the world. I didn't know that God's thoughts about anything when I was born again. So just because like the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, in a sense, you have the spirit of God that knows everything. You have a Bible in a sense in your hand or in your device these days. You have a Bible that has all that and so you have the mind of christ offered to you you've got to i've got to partake of that let him be let him make me make you make us that chosen generation that royal priesthood that special people that we may proclaim the praises of him that called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light so we use terms like 
born again. Not a term. Don't expect the guy you work with or, or the, uh, the uh, maybe people you ride to work with or maybe a person you share the stall with or some one of your friends. Don't expect them to know what born again means. Don't expect them to know what redeem means. They think it means bottles and cans. Regenerated. Don't, don't expect them to know what that means. That, that means that God took this, this thing inside of me and he put life. There was, I was alive, but there was death inside of me. He brought that back to life and he made life. I was converted. Those are, those are not, there's nothing wrong with those terms, but they're not terms that we typically use in, in conversations or people have a great familiarity with. Saved, my goodness, is the world offended with that term because you're, you're saying you're better than me. You're saying something, something that they take as negative, which in part is the work of the enemy to exploit, just trying to keep them bound. So be aware if I'm going to share my faith with people, um, God is very comfortable speaking their language. He doesn't need them to speak his language to start there. He's glad. He came to earth, took on human flesh. What an incredible sacrifice. What an incredible gesture of love to put on a physical human body, accept the physical human body's limitations, and then live among people and then translate, begin to translate God to those people. You can't come sinlessly into this world. It's too late for that. But you and I can be that translation of the love of God to people. The new birth. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so we say that, we say that, you've heard it, you know it. I, my trust, my hope is that you've experienced it. But there's evidence. And again, I know perfection eludes you and eludes me. Like, I didn't wake up, put my hands on my chest, go, I don't know how I know this, but I, he's in here. And then get up, and, and I'm sorry to admit it, but it's the truth. I still was, I had a filthy mind, and so I had... Back in the day, you didn't have a device to do pornography with. You had stacks of magazines, and I had stacks of magazines. I didn't get up that day and immediately throw them out. I threw them out pretty quick, and I stopped. I absolutely did stop, but I didn't understand. Like, I had a bunch of record albums. I didn't throw them all away that morning. I got out of bed and say, I'm going to throw all that away today. I'm going I, I to, I think I probably threw them away within weeks. Okay, I think I did. It could have been, could have been even sooner, but... But I know it wasn't the first thing I did. The first thing I did was I got up, I told my friend, he came in. And then the next thing that I did was I got dressed and we went to church and that was the first time I, I, I had ever gone to like a, a Christian church or anything. I threw within a month or two, I started throwing away record albums. But I didn't throw them all away because I looked at them and I thought, oh, that's still pretty good, I think. But then a month later, two months later, I look at it and go, no, that's junk. You know, and I throw it away. But it was, it was so it was a process is what I'm saying. It's a process that requires some type. I don't really relish hearing confessions, but I believe people need to give confessions. I think they need to make confession. And sometimes for our benefit, and I have seen it too many times, he says, and he says it in the word for a reason. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's 
not easy to confess your faults one to another. That's not, that generally is not a fun thing or an easy thing. But the enemy that was tormenting me kind of got started getting slapped around when I started confessing myself, the truth about who I was and what I did. I put that out in the open. I was open before God. I was saying in those confessions, I'm depending on God's love through Jesus to save me. I'm not depending on being able to create a facade that's willing to pass some gatekeeper's test and get in to whatever good thing is there. I'm no longer dependent on me to do that. It's, it admittedly, you don't really know him in detail, but you've met him when you're born again, and that relationship has begun. A spirit of adoption has come inside of you. You, there is like, the, if you will, the homing beacon has turned on, and there is a part of you that begins to come alive when God's in the room. And you begin to know it. You wake up on the inside to him. Spiritual growth happens by choice. God wants it to happen. It's organic. But there are choices you're going to make. Who you hang out with. I don't think we're supposed to stop loving our unsaved friends. I don't think we're supposed to stop that we might not be able to go the same places we used to with those unsaved friends, with non-Christian friends. Some of those things aren't good. But we make a choice. God, lead me, guide me. A choice. The Bible. Scripture is insightful and life-giving. The Bible. You, you, like people tell, I've heard lots of people tell me, you don't understand, Pastor Paul. I'm not a good reader. And I'm saying there's nothing about me asking you, telling you that God wants you to be in your Bible that requires you to be a good reader. Okay, it's, I, I would be glad for you to understand. I help people find a Bible that's more suited to them. But being a good reader is not the requirement. The requirement is that he's saying part of this is the miracle of the Bible. I mean, I have in my life, I have heard illiterate preachers. And illiterate, you might think that's a, a contradiction. But I'm telling you, back in the day, it wasn't that uncommon, an illiterate preacher, a preacher that can't really read, doesn't understand English very well at all, even has somebody read the Bible to him, but knows God, and when they get enough of what it is, there's enough, they still have a hone in on the truth that's there, even though they don't always understand what words mean. And they actually could preach and lead people to Christ and everything. So it's, it's a pretty wild thing. So it's, it's an inside-out thing. And the Bible is, is essential. So even though that person doesn't always understand, like King James language, I don't understand all that stuff. But if that's the only Bible you got, I'm telling you, you read it. And you'll understand things you need to understand. It will be very clear in a King James Bible to a person that doesn't like the language. It'll be very clear. Jesus loved them. God loved them. Sent a son to die for them. It will be very clear that they're supposed to love God and love people. It will be very clear they're supposed to turn toward God and turn away from stuff. That'll be very clear in a King James Bible, even though there's a bunch of things about it that they will be uncomfortable in the language. It'll be very clear still. That prayer is an ongoing conversation with God that turns out to be what prayer really is, that that's a part of life, and that faith is something that God grows in you 
and in me. And those things are, I, I cultivate that. You and I cultivate that. Hallelujah. That's last slide. So now, anybody else have anything, any comments, any questions, any thoughts about that? Okay, do this for me then. One, I'll ask you one other question. So far today, what are you, what are you hearing? What did you hear? Did you hear anything that was, okay, that, that in some way, that's, I'm hearing that. That's, it was good for me to hear this. Anything like that that you can share just to give me some feedback. Learning how, amen. So you were talking about, he said that your brains aren't born again and that, that is, there, is a, there is a battle there. The, the natural man, like the Bible says, the natural man does not receive the things of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. They're spiritually discerned. And so connecting, getting my brain, teaching my brain to be present, be my brain. It's not somebody else's brain. I can't literally shut it off. But teaching it to submit to the rest of my, this I'm a man of God in Christ and Jesus lives in my heart and how am I going to flow with that and growing in that is a, uh, is a work in progress. Hallelujah. Something else that you heard today? Uh-huh. He's in the waiting. That's great. So it's a process, she was saying, repeating for camera purposes. It's a, it's a process and that, and that he's part of work, growing it out in Christ, growing with Christ is a process and bringing that into areas of your life. That's, that was absolutely reality uh, for my life and things did not always easily yield and I could not believe. Sometimes I thought I prayed the perfect prayer. You know, I thought I was asking exactly what God wanted and so I thought this should happen right now and it didn't happen now and I would get so discouraged. Like, why? I think, isn't this what you want? What's going on and everything? It's like, it's like, not exactly. I do want those things, but I don't want them done in your flesh because you're still, like, you got, there's a lot of good in you, Paul, but you're also like, you're not, your heart's not all Oh, mine, you got other stuff going on in there. There's still my time, my, let me work in you. And trust me, I really do want to do this great stuff. But processing is uh, something I had to warm up to for sure. Something else? Amen. Amen. So Lou was saying that 
that it's calling. Life is by calling, and specifically, God calls us, and that, and that that could be not just about a ministry, but that could be like, like you get up in the morning, and He's saying, "Here's what we're going to do today." And I love that because those two things, very much to me, those those two things overlap. That that this this is the big calling, and what are we doing today? If you could, um, when my son. And uh, Josh and Becky got a dog, which is not what they were planning on getting, but they had kids and their parents on this side encouraged them. That'd be a good thing. You live out in the country, having a, having a big dog is a good thing. It's probably going to save your kid's life. Do it, right? So push, push a little. So they get this dog that's given to them. That's, if you know them, you'd, and if you've met their dog, Rocky. But, but they did something that I think was pretty smart. They went to obedience school with Rocky. And so... One of the things they learned to do was say, say, and teach the dog to obey the command, Rocky, with me. And then Rocky would be there, right? Have to be come, and he would come, and he'd walk with them. And if he was wandering around doing stuff, Rocky, with me. And then, and then he would come. And, and so I, you're not a dog. But there's a way that God really, I believe every day if we, would, if we could tune into it, really would say, with me. And then, and then it would be like, what are we doing today? Well, because I believe that he wants to walk through life with you and just show you stuff. Imagine a conversation with God. You could have a conversation with God anywhere, anytime, about anything. And imagine all that God knows about all that stuff. And you and I get to walk with God in that way every day. So he, he's not always telling me everything he knows all at once. But he, his heart is not just to, it is, I don't see it really as God's heart to get me to do stuff. I see it as God's heart to know me. And that doing stuff is, the, is like the context of getting to know him. And so he says, with me. And then it's like, I want to go talk to your neighbor. Let's go. You know, and so, and, I, and he wants me to experience him working through me, talking to somebody, with him loving somebody through me. And he wants me to experience that with him. And share that with me. He wants to share life with you and share life with me. Anybody else? Something that you just uh, came to your mind about today that's something that stood out to you in some way? That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to pray, okay? I'm going to pray and we'll be... Wrap up with that, and if you want to get books, you can, I can give you those books, and um, I also, I think Janelle brought in the back there those uh, seven Steps to Freedom in Christ books, and um, if, if you haven't got one of, those, then one of those and you want one of those, but that would be, generally speaking, that's something you can do by yourself, even in the book, it'll say they recommend you do it with a person. And we can help you hook that up. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today. And I, I just, I'm just so grateful for a class, God. I don't know to any way that you encourage us. And you continue still. Uh, all, whatever I've experienced in you, you continue to remind me that everything in my life works from you. You're the, you're the reference point as the foundation. And that still, to me, is vibrant and alive. 
in, in my life today, in my life this past week, that was a real thing to me, that I work from you, that you're not handing me problems to solve. You're with me in everything. And so I'm so grateful for that. And I thank you for the time that my brothers and sisters have taken. And I pray that as this unfolds with uh, further classes here, but also with uh, online classes that'll get posted. And I pray, Father, that a, uh, an expansion and a deepening of the dialogue, the conversation with you and the conversation with the body of Christ that whatever, finding our place in you in a greater and a more substantial way, and things that are challenges for us now, be beginning to yield to Christ, yield to the plan and the purpose of God, and that you would use it all to be formed in us and to grow in us. I bless my brothers, my sisters, and thank you for them. Grace to them in their lives, their homes, their purpose, their job, their stuff. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.